Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, San Francisco Chronicle beat writer Susan Slusser, and today we talk to A's closer Blake Trinan about his unusual journey to the Major Leagues and his success this season. Plus, catcher Bruce Maxwell tells us about the great Broadway play he saw in New York City. And on Shea Plus, John Shea and I discuss the reaction Stephen Piscotty got at the Coliseum following the death of his mother. We talk about Dexter Fowler's call-up and Mark Canna's contributions, plus much more. Today on A's Plus, our guest is the A's closer, Blake Trinan. Blake, of course, was with the A's as a low-level minor leaguer. As I was reminded when we were in New York and Sonny Gray and I were discussing, oh, isn't it crazy Trevor Cahill and Brett Anderson are back? And he said, yeah, Blake Trinan, too. You pitched in the the lower levels of the A's minor league system with Sonny Gray, is that right? Uh, Not with Sonny, no, but we were both drafted the same year. I think we were probably the first and second, you know, right-handed pitchers, if you want to get down to the details taken in that draft. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was was in the the AZL for a couple weeks and then was fortunate enough to get up to Burlington, which is, uh, I think, low A, and finished the season there. Had a chance to play the next year in Stockton. Spent my season there uh, under Craig Lefferts and uh, Webster Garrison. And then uh, made my way over to D.C. for the last four and a half years, I think-ish, four years, something like that. And then, you know, fortunate enough to come back to the team that drafted me. So it's been a fun journey. Still hopefully a lot more to write to the story, but, uh, you know, very fortunate for the opportunities I have. And it was kind of cool to see Sonny again last year before he got traded over to the Yankees. How, how strange was that for you when you did get traded the first time, when you went to uh, D.C. in the multi-team trade that, that in which I think the A's ultimately wound up with John Jaso? Uh, yeah, you know, at first you don't really know what trading means. You think that, like, you're damaged goods and they don't want you. And it's like, hey, you didn't cut it here, so we're shipping you off for somebody else that will cut it. But that's not really the case. If you're being traded, it's because another team wants you and you're valuable. Or else they wouldn't waste the time getting rid of a player. So um, it was a great situation for me to get over to D.C. Had some very uh, influential uh, coaches along the way with Paul Menhart and uh, Matt LeCroy and uh, Billy Gardner and triple a for me there and you know mike maddox was a was a great pitching coach for me too when i was over there I, I've, I've had an opportunity to, to learn uh to learn a lot from the experiences i've had uh there's a lot of change in and out in dc as it's probably well noted um you know even steve mccaddy gave me some words of wisdom that that have helped me along the way so um you know god's got timing and we can't ever figure it out but it's always better than you can imagine and uh you know, going over there probably prepped me better than anything ever could have. So I'm very thankful for the time that I had over there, the friends and that I got to, to meet, uh, professional acquaintances as well. And uh, now I'm back here where it all started. So it's kind of a it's kind of a mini dream come true, getting an opportunity to play for the team that originally drafted you. You have those original dreams to get to the big leagues. And, um, you know, now I'm here and I get a chance to do it. Did your family still all have, like, their A stuff from your first go-around? Did you- did everybody have to buy buy new uh, green and gold stuff? Um, they might have had a couple shirts. I, I, we didn't really invest heavily in the A's stock right away just because, I mean, you're not really playing. I mean, you're in the A's organization, but you know, maybe they had a couple Stockton Port shirts or a Burlington B shirt. They just kind of waited until, you know, the career started maintaining its direction and the upward trend. Um, so, yeah, they, they invested heavily when I came back, probably. They got a couple jerseys now from last year. and 
Um, I'm sure they'll hold on to that, but baseball, from what they've learned over the last five years, is a moving game. So you never know what will happen. I think they're just going to hold on to minimum stuff from each team that I go to. Um, right now, it's you know it'd be cool to stay with Oakland the rest of my career. So then they don't. Then they can don't have to worry about spending more money. That's right. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good plan. Now yeah. you talk about timing. Um, it's it's funny because when you look at your sort of career path, timing at least initially seemed like it wasn't on your side. You had to fight through a lot of a, a lot of things, including we we talked last year at length about your background. Uh, you weren't drafted out of high school, which is pretty unusual for a major league player. Um, it's a very long story, um, but some of the, some of the highlights were first of all, I, I know when you're in high school you had to like really work to get yourself in shape too tell us about that yeah I was a uh, kind of put myself in a tough spot you know my parents were always you know just standard they weren't like health nuts by any means but they weren't feeding me garbage by any stretch uh, I just took it upon myself when I had a job I'd go down to Sonic and grab whatever because I just figured that's all my friends are doing and they they're in great shape I can do whatever I want and I just developed bad eating habits and put weight on and then you know had some some stunted growth issues that prevented me to you know, just to have the the drive to, to work hard and burn some fat off. I mean, I, I couldn't do it. And on top of that, I had, like, sugar issues that put me a borderline type 2 diabetic. And then I had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis from my hips down. So just wasn't a good combination. I had bad weight on me. It was hard to move. Um, it was just achy. Uh, so when they told me that I was borderline diabetic, I pretty much scared me straight. I didn't want to shot my stomach every day the rest of my life. So... They said I had a short window to try to fix it, and I did. And uh, you know, it's by God's grace that I found it, or that they found it when they did. And after I got the weight off me, everything kind of kicked into gear. And I think the fact that my stu- my growth was stunted with the weight that was on me, um, the doctor said, "Hey, look, you know that's probably why you grew as tall as you were." So again, God's timing, God's God's plan in your life is so much greater than you could ever imagine. And uh, you know, he used a small town kid who people probably looked at and laughed at. And you know, I got bullied a lot growing up too. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, I don't harbor any ill will with all that stuff, but I think, it's, I think it's God's way of using people that no one would ever expect, you know, to do some stuff on a big stage because there's no way I could do this on my own. I mean, this is all God's grace. I mean, I work my tail off for everything I've, I've gotten, but it's not mine. This is, this is God's talent being showcased every day. But I, I'm glad you mentioned that God's grace because you have an amazing story. You, you you bounced around from college to college. You started at Baker in Kansas and then went to Arkansas and then we're at South Dakota State. And you finally get drafted by the Marlins. T- tell us that part of the story because um, that to me was just astonishing. The first of all, what happened with you with the Marlins, but then what happened when you when you got home uh, and your parents picked you up? Yeah, again, you know, it's just kind of those weird twists that you think, uh, man, you know, finally got that opportunity to get drafted and you're excited and you get down there and I'm ready to sign the papers, become official, and, um, you know, they ended up failing my physicals, my first full season of playing college ball, and, uh, you know, heavier workload than I've probably ever been used to, and I had some inflammation, which is pretty standard, I think, in most arms, and, you know, they, I think they had their reasons. It, I don't think their reasons, truthfully, would have been sitting well for me or made sense to me, so they, did, you know, they had to do what they had to do. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. It's just I had, you know, it was a dream of mine kind of taken away at the moment, but... Uh, they just told me that there's too much inflammation for their doctors to want to take a risk on drafting me. So they got me a plane ticket and had a taxi outside 10 minutes later. And I was making phone calls trying to figure out how to get home and if I could even play college ball again because I still had one year of eligibility and called my team chaplain from Athletes in Action out in uh, 
Uh, that's actually the Bay Area, I think. I think I flew into San Jose there. Uh, but I called him. I can't remember the chaplain's name, but the coach, it was his brother. The, the coach's name was Chris Beck. And he, uh, he gave me the Bible verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings, but in all ways put your focus on him and he'll set your path straight. And uh, I was like, well, that kind of makes sense. You know, it's pretty pretty uh, straightforward. And I just was so confused still. And my parents picked me up in Kansas at like 2 in the morning. And if anybody knows Kansas, between Kansas City and Osage City, you drive through one town really, and that's Ottawa. And there's a little town, Pomona. But between there, there's like two hours the whole way back from the airport of just nothing. And uh, I'm telling my parents about the Bible verse that uh, the chaplain gave me. And as soon as I tell them what it was, this, this red cavalier came flying right by us. Not flying, like driving slow enough that you could see it. And I just happened to look up because I'm kind of just still culture shocked from what happened. And the license plate said PROV356. And I was just like, this isn't a God encounter. I don't, I don't know what is. And, you know, everybody has these moments where they have a encounter with a higher being and you could never convince me that God isn't real. Um, because along the way, there's been so many doors open and shut, open and shut. And he was just testing my faithfulness, I think, because he's always faithful. Um, and you know, sometimes it chokes you up a little bit thinking about how good he is and why, why we deserve because we don't deserve anything that like like I don't deserve what I what I have here, for sure. But I'm so grateful for it. Um, but yeah, I, I will always hold on to that moment among a few others uh, as a as a, like a turning point in my life. Not even turning point, but just like a, a milestone. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's just an absolutely incredible story. I remember getting kind of chills when yeah. you when you told it to me last year. So you wind up going back to South Dakota State, finish up, you get your degree, and you wind mm-hmm. up getting drafted by the A's. So really, yeah. everything kind of did. Yeah, yeah. you know, again, you think getting drafted is like the end all. You know, like, yeah, I finally get to start my career. And, you know, I still had another year to go to get my degree. And I ended up getting my degree and getting drafted higher by going back, and my stuff got better. And, um, yeah, so God gave me so much more. He gave me a degree. He gave me a refined craft. He gave me a higher draft. And, you know, a little bit of extra money in my pocket, which wasn't, you know, a ton in the draft, but it was enough to help pay for the the lack of scholarships that I had through, coming through college. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's, it's just, it's just kind of a cra- crazy how it worked out. And the A's drafted me. I didn't even, honestly, I don't remember. I know I filled out a, a questionnaire for every team, but I did not have much contact with the A's. And when they drafted me, I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so when they drafted me, it was, you know, it was kind of, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So. Um, so then you wind up coming back last year. What mm-hmm. what do you remember um, about when you, you first heard the news and what were your thoughts what, back to the Oakland organization and on the big league level? I don't know if I really knew what to think. Um, you know, you kind of have a feeling that time might have been ending there in D.C. I wasn't having a great first half, and that's a team that's looking to – I mean, every team wants to make the playoffs, but there's a lot of pressure in D.C. to, to succeed. And, uh, you know, if you're not performing the way that – you're capable of which I wasn't um they need somebody that's going to and I think it was a great trade for both teams um getting a chance to come back here to an organization that drafted me and has uh some time invested in me um you know it means a lot and you know the Nats got two studs in Madsen and Doolittle and we got you know two like phenomenal players in the minor leagues right now that will have an impact on this team in my opinion at some point in time uh in the near future you know, whether that be a year or two from now or whenever, who knows. 
but seeing them play in spring training is pretty incredible. So uh, I'm, just, I'm thankful to be back here. Yeah. So did you did you know? Uh, of course, you're talking about Sheldon Noisy and um, Jesus Lazardo. Had did you know either one of them before this spring? Had you? No. Th- they hadn't been in big league camp in Washington. I'm assuming. No, I, I hadn't. I didn't know any of them to be honest with you. Um, you know, I watched a few podcasts on Sheldon. Uh, you know, because I skewer the MLB app every now and again just to keep up with the profession. But uh, yeah, he. You know, seeing them in person, I think that's what does him justice. You know, Sheldon. Sheldon has a gift with the bat, and uh, Lazardo is very talented with commanding the baseball and having plus stuff, and getting. I mean, when you get swing and misses in the zone against big league hitters, that's pretty impressive. It's pretty amazing. And Noisy's now in AAA, and Lazardo's. I don't know if he's very far away. He's yeah. he's climbing the ladder really fast. So that trade is. That's one of those ones that's probably it worked really well for both teams, which is yeah. ideal. That's what you want, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was a blessing for both teams. And it makes me happy that I was able to – I don't know if I was the main part of that trade, but it definitely it definitely helps uh, helps me sleep knowing that the, that D.C. got what they needed out of it because, you know, I, I really appreciate the time and the investment they put in me, and uh, I got good memories and good friends over there. So um, wish the best for them, um, but excited for my opportunity here. Now, you wind up in the closer's role by the end of the season. How much had you learned by what you went through in Washington about how to, how to handle the job? Um, you know, it was kind of a short window in D.C. Again, um, you know, first few saves went pretty well, and outside of that it was kind of a, a tough go. Um, but, you know, it's just, so, it's just so important getting the leadoff guy out and not walking guys. I think that's the most important thing. Um, you just have to get ahead of guys and, and put them away. You can't give them any any grasp on trying to get momentum. And they're going to grind out at-bats. Not that hitters ever give at-bats away, but I think there's a level of focus when a closer's in because the game is technically within reach, within three batters. So, um, you know, you watch the grades. I'm sitting here staring at one, sitting here on second base right now, Craig Kimbrell, you know, flipping the ball to first. He's, he's a guy that you definitely can watch and see how he attacks hitters. It's impressive. And, you know, I... Uh, I think that the things that I learned over there is just don't take take an opportunity for granted. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that I did, but I don't know if I – it was my first time having a chance to close. And um, you can't you can't learn without failure. So you, sometimes you need to fail to understand how to succeed. So it was, it was a good experience. It, it is one of the most pressure-filled roles in pro, pro sports. Is that mm-hmm. as a – when you first do it, do you feel that? Do, does it lessen? How do you kind of deal with the, the pressure of, of that? You know, besides maybe hockey goalie, um, you know, there are a few things that are quite as, as pressure-packed. Well, I think pressure is self-inflicted. You know, if you try to worry about 40,000 opinions in the stands, you're going to be on pins and needles. If you play for an audience of one, you know, I think it makes it a lot easier because I – Look, every day's a gift here. I've already been more blessed than I could imagine. So if I can go out there and do a job that this team's entrusted me to do and, you know, finish a game that our my teammates have played so well, uh, then that's satisfying. But ultimately, you know, I just I want to give it my absolute best no matter what every single day uh, for our Heavenly Father and, and for my teammates and, and just kind of see where it lies. Because, you know, I can't can't fault myself. I want my teammates to know they're getting my best every day. And, if like, if we – if I don't get the job done, I don't get the job done. But ultimately, I think my stuff plays well enough to, to, to be successful up here. And I think the team uh, agrees with me on that. And um, I just I just want to I just want to continue to be consistent and and, uh, and get the job done. Now, Bob Melvin often uses you for more than one inning. How, how did you feel about that when you first started doing it? And have you kind of settled into to doing that now going, you know, sometimes four or five, sometimes even six outs? 
Well, I mean, this game is it's a funny game, and sometimes you ride hot hands, and uh, you know some of those some of those games where we needed it, we had some guys that were down, and you know they wanted to maybe get a ground ball double play, and that's kind of something that I've been successful in, in the past. So I, I see his I see his reasoning to bring me in. I I don't doubt anything that they that they try to do to bring me in. I I think have I think they have managed games extremely well, and uh, you know for me I. I just I just take the ball when I'm called on. That's all I can control. I can't control when I come in the game. Can't control when I come out of the game. All I can control is one pitch at a time, getting the guy out, executing first pitch strikes, getting ahead of guys. You know that's that's it. And until my name is called and until my name the ball's taken from my hand, I compete. And if I can't go a certain day, then they're made aware and that's it. So you know if that means that you know you throw a few less outings uh, a week, then so be it. But at least I'm doing doing my job because they're if I'm not doing my job they're not going to throw me out there for two innings if I'm doing my job then they're going to get the best of me for you know at least maybe four games a week three games a week if if it's one one inning at a time and it's low pitch count then it's totally different maybe I'm out there four or five times a week so um it all it all works itself out I'm not too concerned about it yeah that's what I was going to ask you it seems like you are very efficient a lot of times which does I mean it seems like maybe that makes the sort of your unusual role with Four, four or five out saves maybe a little bit easier yeah um you know that's the goal is to be efficient it doesn't always work that way uh people will probably sitting at home sometimes like throw strikes come on but i will tell you all we are not purposely trying to throw balls um and that i think i speak for every single person that's ever picked a, ba- a baseball and tried to throw it over the plate so um yeah the goal is to get guys out as quick as you can three pitch innings phenomenal but i mean big league hitters aren't gonna let that happen so uh, yeah, the goal is just to get ahead of guys, put them away early, and, and give yourself more opportunities to compete. And what do you think of the bullpen this year? You guys, are obviously, there have been some ups and downs just in general, but uh, it seems like a, going into the season, seen as a strength of the team, and probably still still a strength of the team. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you look at the guys we signed, I think it filled a lot of, a lot of gaps. Um, you know, it's kind of been a, a weird start for us. I think some guys would like to say that they haven't had the start they were looking for, and other guys have done exactly what we're looking for and um nobody is in you know mid-season form we all have ways to improve and even mid-season form that allows room for improvement because nobody's ever had a zero era all year so uh i think for all of us we're just trying to find ways to be successful and and be consistent and give uh bowmail the best opportunity to manage the game consistently without having uh, to second guess anything uh you know, we want we want him to feel comfortable with us when we're out there. So, you know, we're all out there competing our tails off. We all got, I mean, we got great stuff. I mean, you look at, I mean, you can even look at, like, numbers over the past. I think our bullpen stacks up pretty well against about any other bullpen in the league. But, uh, yeah, right now it's just, just a matter of us getting the job done and, and competing and putting ourselves in position for uh, October baseball. How about the team in general? Obviously a young team. Um, it seems like you guys are uh, improving every day. There's this young core that, that now you've seen with Chapman Olson, Pinder, guys like that. Um, what, what are your impressions of what you guys might be able to do, especially as, the, as you continue to improve? Well, I think offensively, you know, one through nine on a given day have the ability to put the ball out of the ballpark. So I don't think the long ball is ever an issue with our team. Um, our guys grind out at bats. Jed is Jed is playing as hot as anybody in baseball right now so um yeah our offense has a lot of young talent Chapman Olsen Pender uh, I mean even guys that are coming up behind them too so you know we get Piscotti is a great addition Joyce is a veteran presence who can he can launch a ball at any given time so we got we got a lot of good guys on this team I don't think you can sit and say I don't, we haven't come close to playing our best baseball 
and we're, we're flirting right around 500 and have been plus two, minus two all, all year for this past month. So um, I think it gives the fans something to be excited about because, you know, we just we put our heads down and start start finding that group and playing good baseball. Good things are going to happen. It's a very nice way to wrap things up. Thank yeah. you, Blake Trinan. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. We welcome Bruce Maxwell to the Players' Choice segment. Bruce, uh, we are currently in New York, and I know you went to see a Broadway play. Tell us about it. Uh, the Lion King Broadway play, first time I've ever been. It was absolutely moving. Um, the actors, the actresses, the just the scenic of scenic happenings of the whole thing, like the way they planned out the movie. Um, they also adapted a little bit to like the modern day crowd too, as well. They had some little uh, um, snippets of just like little sayings or laughter or whatever to to get the crowd keep the crowd in it and everything um but the moving the whole thing was super moving like i've seen the lion king a million times um my kid the kids have seen it um but it was like the way they portrayed it in the play and the the singing the dancing the choreography it was absolutely amazing you had two little kids with you, like as you mentioned, your girlfriend Chelsea's kids, Maddox and Paisley. What did, what did they think? What did they say afterwards? They loved it. They were excited when they got done with it. Um, they wanted to go back and see it. Um, we had to tell them that obviously the show's over, so we had to leave. Um, but they they enjoyed it. They loved the movie itself, like the Disney movie itself. So uh, they actually they were one of probably few kids that actually stayed awake the whole time around us because a lot of the kids around us were sleeping. And so they were super excited. Paisley was excited after the, after the thing. And she's four-year-old and understood it all. They said the actors and stuff were very, very good. Uh, they loved the music and they loved the outfits. Uh, so everything was played very, very well. Now, I know you're a guy that go, likes to go to the movies when you can. Obviously, it's stuff during baseball season. But um, what have you seen this year that you've really liked in a, from a movie standpoint? Um, obviously, I've seen the Black Panther movie, which was... The storyline behind all of that was amazing uh, to, to be able to see that. Uh, the new Avengers movie is amazing. Um, yeah, it's, I think Marvel just goes over the top, and they always, I guess, win the people's vote when it comes to their movies. Um, I honestly haven't seen a lot lately, uh, but the, the military movie 12 Strong uh, with uh, what, the guy that plays Thor. I can't remember oh, Chris his name. Chris Hensworth. That guy. Yeah. Um, but he's the yeah no he's the he's the lead role in that movie and it's and it's absolutely amazing. I come from a military background, so I, I'm a big fan of watching all those military movies. And to a certain extent, I know how real those are. And so that play that part in that movie was absolutely amazing. And uh, I mean, I just I don't know. Like a lot of good movies have been coming out. The play was amazing, and so I I, I love movies. I can't. I don't like TV shows because they take too long to watch them. But um, every now and again, I'll get hooked on a series. But uh, for the most part, I'm a big movie guy. So. Well, I think I'm going to have to come back to you later in the season and see what, what you've checked in with you, see what you've been seeing. I'll be right here. Awesome. Right. Thanks, Bruce Maxwell. Thanks for joining us. It's time for the regular Shea Plus segment of Ace Plus. We welcome in John Shea, the San Francisco Chronicles national baseball writer. John, it's been uh, an interesting couple of weeks here for the A's. I know you were there when Stephen Piscotty came back following the death of his mother, Gretchen, from ALS. Uh, and it was a really special moment, it, it sounded like, at the Coliseum that day. Yeah, it sure was. Uh, the, at the, uh, at the, it, it seemed to, it, it's, it's a story that's not going away. 
and it's uh, kind of heartwarming that a community that really might not have known the full story of Stephen Piscotti as he played with the Cardinals suddenly is very supportive and Piscotti in an interview spoke about the A's community which maybe a player wouldn't do in his second month on the team but this has meant a lot to him the way the fans and the team have supported him and his family and you know you wrote that beautiful story early on and ESPN picked up on it and you really didn't want to watch that ESPN story uh, in mixed company. <laughs> You'd break out uh, pretty emotionally, but, uh, you know, just a kind of a special story and, you know, just a sad story. But but a story that, um, you know, is helpful in terms of charity dollars. Uh, teams are acknowledging him around the league. And, you know, the guy misses, what, one game and then comes back. I mean, that's kind of unheard of your mother passes and you're in the lineup a couple of days later and the reception he did get at the coliseum is, is something he'll never forget yeah it's it's uh, really amazing the way people have responded and uh you know that you darvish and john lester each give ten thousand dollars the yankees give ten thousand dollars when the a's were at yankee stadium on mother's day really Really beautiful. Um, and, of course, uh, Dustin Fowler comes up uh, for the first time since uh, his horrible knee injury that uh, it was in the, his very first major league game with the Yankees last year. Uh, and uh, he plays a game, at the, gets a pinch hit at the Coliseum, and then goes and plays at Yankee Stadium, the very team that traded him to the A's last year in the Sonny Gray deal. And the first person he faces is Sonny Gray. What, what, did, what was uh, your kind of take on all of that from afar? And here's a guy who doesn't really know Sonny Gray, but he spoke the day before about what a great story it is, me coming into the league uh, and going back to Yankee Stadium and actually facing the guy I was traded for. <laughs> and, you know, he he, he really uh, took, uh, you know, took the story and ran with it. And although I was a little disappointed in him that he neither read the book nor saw the movie uh, uh, regarding Moonlight Graham and... <laughs> Uh, Shoeless Joe and Field of Dreams and all that. I, I, but you know these ball players that w w w when playing the game is is really the one thing that matters the most. Uh, you don't waste time reading books and watching movies, I suppose. Well, and <laughs> but, yeah, in uh, his, his situation, he probably does not want to read the story about the guy who no. <laughs> who never made it back at all. <laughs> yeah, and he said, well, he says, yeah, I might not have seen the movie or read the book, but I know the story, and I know he got only one at bat, and I didn't want to be that guy. And I never thought I was going to be that guy. And Throughout the rehab, I was 100% confident that I was going to come back. I was just looking at a replay of that triple and he ran around the bases beautiful strides uh, he, he got there and nothing flat and a stand-up triple at fenway and i said boy that he's he's back he's not uh, worried at all about this surgically repaired knee and uh i mean it, it did happen quite a while ago in late june of 17 it's been what 11 months or so but almost but still uh just a brutal injury and a brutal circumstance of the you know, first inning of his first game in his big league career. And he doesn't even get an at bat for 11 months later, but he, he's really adding the concept that the A's would love to have. And that's speed, especially at the top of the lineup. And maybe eventually he'll become an everyday leadoff guy, center fielder. And he's got to prove it over a little time before he's, 
he's considered that guy. I mean, what do you think? Do you think uh, he potentially he'll be the guy to start every day in center field and lead off? Well, he's certainly going to be the everyday center fielder now, and I, I could see him being the leadoff man within a year or two. I think mm-hmm. they're very happy with where he is now. But, man, the one concern after the surgery, of course, was would he lose any speed? And it, it doesn't look like it at all to me. And if, if he had more speed before, wow, uh, he's, he's certainly got enough now to, to get the job done. It's really it's a nice story. Um, and he's a very engaging guy. I think he appreciates that people have taken an interest and uh, were so concerned about him. A's fans, Yankees fans, the Yankees fans gave him a really nice round of applause when he stepped up to the plate Friday night. Uh, And I heard from lots of people in New York that are starting to wonder about that trade, you know, maybe not necessarily being one that worked out for both teams. Sonny Gray's had his struggles in New York. Uh, I think he'll turn it around. I mean, we know what a good pitcher Sonny Gray is. But between Fowler, Caprillion, and then Jorge Mateo, who is um, a rising infield star in the A's system, uh, certainly the A's got a lot of value in that that trade. And the thing with Sonny Gray, it's been a while since he's put a year together in which he was both healthy and effective. Back to his, you know, potential side young stuff, uh, and maybe there is a quite a cause for concern because the Yankees have not seen that guy and maybe ace fans have not seen that guy in a long time. So it, it, it seems like it's still a road for him and uh, whether he returns to form, I mean, yeah, that, that trade could really hurt the Yankees. You know, they're trying to go for it all last year and and this year with a young team to beef up the rotation. It seemed like a really good deal. Uh, you know, he was he was a prime pitcher uh, last July as a guy who could really help a team in the final couple of months. But he showed some signs and he's also, you know, mixed, uh, you know, missed missed on his stuff and his, his fastball command, et cetera. So it's it's a story worth watching. But also these three guys, I mean, Bean made a bunch of trades in the past year or two that really solidified this uh, system. And it's not just the homegrown guys like maybe it used to be years ago that uh, came in and kind of turned around the franchise. A lot of these guys are, are players that are uh, being traded for, including the big Washington trade with, uh, you know, Doolittle last, last July. Yeah, I, I really, their midseason trades have been spectacular the last few years, you know, getting guys like Shania, uh, Manaya, Sean Manaya, and um, Blake Trinan last year, and you know certainly the the minor leaguers in that that Washington trade too, with Sheldon Noisy and Jesus Lazardo, uh, and you know the the Chris Davis trade. People that sort of mm-hmm. seems to go under the radar for some reason, but my God, he's one of the best players in the league now, and uh, he, they got him essentially for a catcher who they weren't all that high on, and has wound up really not doing very much in the Brewer system. So. Uh, yeah, really, really nice work by the front office, which was kind of maligned after some of those uh, the trading off the, the bulk of that 2014 playoff team. Um, now, the Fowler coming up potentially impacts Mark Canna. I know you did a nice story on the in the Chronicle on Canna last week. Uh, he had been playing center almost every day uh, with Fowler coming in and, and taking that job. What's sort of your impression about what happens with Canna? Because he's really been valuable, versatile, and such a better defender in center field than, mm-hmm. than really anybody expected. Yeah, I really like that guy. He, he he gave me a quote for that story in which he said, uh, in fact, it was on last week's podcast, uh, A's Plus, in, in which he, so I used it for the story as well. He, he says that 
you know, he, he's lumped into this category as a non-athletic outfielder who only hits. And when I passed that quote by Melvin and Marcus Simeon, his old teammate at Cal, you know, they were kind of struck by it. They, you know, they, they said, well, wait a minute. I mean, he's pretty darn athletic. Uh, Simeon talked about his running ability or, or his instincts and his first step. And Melvin said, I mean, it, it's the best outfield we've seen, especially in center field in, in the years he's been here. And I, I think he surprised everyone but himself that he could be the guy he is in center field. I mean, he does the smart things. He does the right things. He throws to the right cutoff man. He uh, usually gets the right jumps. He just doesn't run down a ball like Deion Sanders. And, uh, you know, that's fine because hardly anybody does. But uh, in his case, he, you know, he makes all the routine plays and and, uh, and he can track down a ball. So he thought he was getting a bad rap as a, as just an outfielder who can hit. So stick him at a corner, stick him at a uh, left or right. Or, but really, he's kind of been an asset, almost a team saver, because with – you know, Boog Powell heard and Smolinski not hitting all year. Those were the really the two guys. And, and the fact that Canna uh, uh, has been able to play a lot of center field. In fact, he's played more games and more innings than anyone else on the team in center fielder has really allowed Fowler to uh, uh, develop more and um, gain confidence in his knee and show the organization that he was ready uh, at the time he was called up. So he was kind of uh, followers. Uh, Cannon was kind of a nice stop gap, you know, in, 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 in that light. So it was, yeah, you're right. A, kind of a valuable guy that hit what 370 in spring training and didn't even make the opening day <laughs> roster. There's always somebody like that every year, but man, he handled it beautifully and he's been exactly what they needed. I, I do hope he continues to get regular playing time. He's, he's shown in the past that, you know, as a right-handed hitter, platooning is difficult. Of course, you know, you, you sit more than you play. It's tough for guys to keep their strokes up. Uh, and he, that, that has not been for him. He needs to play on a regular basis to be productive from what we've seen so far. The one thing that concerns me is Chad Pinder's already sitting a ton. And, you know, because he's also a right-handed hitter who kind of winds up in a little bit of a platoon role. He was the guy last year who was bouncing around everywhere and really productive. Uh, and with Canna coming on, you got to play the hot bat. But uh, Pinder's getting no time in the outfield, really. And uh, not, not much playing time, period, since the A's had that run of uh, facing left-handers seven times in eight games. He really hasn't seen the field very much. So... That's going to be an interesting, you know, I guess a good, one of those good problems to have, right? Oh, they've got too many good right-handed hitting bench guys. I, I think the A's will take it. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's kind of surprising. It, it, it is a small bench. You could figure everybody would play. Um, you know, and, and how, how, you know, going back to Canada, how, how cool is this that the guy uh, has Dylan as his walk-up music? And, <laughs> it is. You know, for the story, for the story, I asked him about it. And I said, "So why Dylan?" He said, "Well, he's my favorite artist, uh, Dylan and the Beatles." Wow. And I said, "What? What year is this? 2000?" He's an old soul. <laughs> he's an old soul. And then I remembered. I said, "Well, you know, I remember doing this story last September. Remember when he put his his hand on the shoulder of." Bruce Maxwell, when Maxwell kneeled down at, you know, during the national anthem and got all kinds of criticism uh, from people who may, might not have understood why exactly he was doing it. And it was, it was uh, Canna who asked him, said, hey, you know, I, I don't feel like kneeling, but I really like to support you. You mind if I 
stand at your side? And Maxwell yeah, said, sure. I mean, it was kind of a cool thing to see. And I remember talking to Canada last September about it, and he really opened up to his uh, his background, his beliefs, and the fact uh, that he went to Cal and learned all about the free speech movement and and uh, you know, in his words, you know the the, the hippies and and the grateful and all all this stuff that uh, you know the the civil rights protests and everything that he uh, learned about and really appreciated and and then he started talking about the uh, the equality pay gap uh, in the Silicon Valley and why women weren't uh, uh, more involved in the tech world and, and getting equal pay and. And so he's really involved in current events, uh, history, Bay Area history, and uh, and he, he he told me that he actually took a Bob Dylan class at Cal and got two units for it. And uh, they used to listen to music, uh, watch documentaries, uh, read literature on the guy. So so he's kind of hip in that way. It's uh, kind of a refreshing thing to see because uh, you know baseball players sometimes are like golfers, uh, almost robotic in in the in the manner in which uh, they they go through their emotions because it's such a routine and such a way to uh you know live day to day there's so much repetition and as you see when you show up so early how often they get there early and hit 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 and feel 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 they do so much that the fan doesn't see and uh and ken is kind of a different bird it's kind of cool yeah it is it's uh you know almost everybody when you talk to them Nowadays, uh, the one thing guys do away from the field is play video games. They're all obsessed with this video game, Fortnite. So it is, it's extra refreshing to run across somebody who's interested in politics or who reads books. And uh, it's, uh, There are a couple of guys like that on the A's, and, and we always appreciate them. Now, you mentioned Maxwell. Um, as I reported in the Chronicle, uh, he, he will not be allowed to go to Toronto because of his legal issues. He, he does have a plea agreement in place, but because he has not yet been sentenced and the actual charges include a, a gun charge, he will not be allowed into Toronto. Um, the A's are uh, considering either sending him down, putting him on the restricted list. Um, it, what, what is your take on this? Um, the you know obviously some ramifications for Maxwell um, that I think were a little unexpected. Uh, either way, he, he'll either he'll, he'll lose his big big league salary at the very least, um, no matter what happens for a minimum of four days. Um, and and the A's will have to bring up um, potentially Bo Taylor, which is interesting because like Maxwell, he's a left-handed hitter. He's the only other left-handed hitting catcher in the uh, in the high reaches of the A's system, and he's been playing very well at Nashville. Um, what, what's your take on this, and and um, you know maybe what this might mean for for Maxwell long term? I, I don't recall a story like this where a, a guy on a baseball team was denied uh, access across the border uh, because of an ongoing uh, charge and a non-sentence to date. Uh, you know, especially involving a, a gun and yeah i mean that's canada versus the us first of all right and um i i i, I uh, you know it's too bad because it you know the the court case is pending and uh you know canada's kind of saying well you, you can't you can't get in here because of of the ca- pending case so it, it it's a weird situation that the a's are in uh and i'm not sure how it's going to be resolved but that restricted list sounds like the way to go uh if baseball agrees um 
and, and, and it, he wouldn't have to miss more than 10 days or 10 days. Like, right. Which, I think he they could he, have to miss yeah. down there. Yeah. My understanding is he misses only however much he needs to miss, which which would be the four days. Um, he would forfeit yeah. his pay for, for the four days. Mm. Um, so I, I, I haven't seen much of Bo Taylor in spring training. You know, we all seen a lot of Fegley. I mean, what, what's your opinion on Taylor? Because uh, he seems to have a lot better numbers. I guess they'd have to squeeze him onto the 40 man. Yeah, you know what? I think the fact that he hits left-handed, he is hitting well. And he, I did a big story on him during the spring. He was suspended um, at the start of last year for uh, uh, testing positive for uh, Adderall. He did not have an exemption for it. And we had a long chat about that. And he's, he didn't, you know, most players when they're popped for any sort of drug things say, oh, I didn't do it. It's a mistake. You know, it wasn't, you know, tainted sample stuff like that. He said, nope, this was my mistake. hundred percent. I did it. I regret it. I will never, he said, I will never do anything like that ever again. Um, and with such conviction, you, you know, that the, the guy means it. And he took that time while he was suspended and he was at extended spring training and he worked on making himself better. And he also volunteered. He was the first person there every day, the last person to leave. He volunteered for every bit of extra work. And the coaches were just wowed by how much better a defensive catcher he came, became and what a leadership role he took with really young pitchers who are at extended spring training. So uh, the staff, particularly there in Arizona, absolutely love Bo Taylor. And he's always been able to hit. That's That has not been kind of the, the question. So uh, And he's doing it again now at, at Nashville. So he's an interesting possibility. He's not on the 40-man roster. But you got to get a, you know, we, we all know that Sean Murphy is considered the A's catcher of the future. Um, but uh, if Bo Taylor gets a shot, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here because uh, clearly Maxwell with his legal problems uh, and the fact that, he, you know, he was supposed to be the everyday catcher coming into this spring, yeah, um, showed sure. up overweight. And, um, you know, they have to go out and sign Jonathan Lucroy, who's now the everyday catcher. I, I just wonder if, if potentially, you know, Bruce Maxwell winds up sliding down the chart more. You'd hate to see it happen because he um, is a guy who's been with an organization for a long time. He's paid his dues. He's got a lot of skill. Um, but things just don't seem to be heading in the right direction for him. Yeah, and whoever it is who will replace him uh, across the border, Fegley uh, or Bo or whomever, it probably wouldn't get much playing time because Lucroy is hitting so well. That's true. That's been fantastic. I mean, he did, that guy got off to such a slow start, but, you know, typical. And but you got to take into account uh, not only the fact that uh, he's uh, coming to a new team, but he had a short spring training, and he's also got to get used to an entire new pitching staff. So that's going to make the hitting hitting part hard. But this is the best he's hit in you know more than a year. And uh, he looks great. The doubles, too. I mean, he's uh, he's like Jed Lowry number two. It's like they've got two Jeds <laughs> in their lineup now. And the fact that he can, uh, you know, he's kind of instrumental in that no-hitter uh, was pretty significant. And, and the words he used afterward about how uh, no pitcher has thrown quite like he did over the course of nine innings with his command and his his confidence and his, you know, uh, pinpoint uh, pitching and the use of pitching was phenomenal. And, and that was Lucroy, you know, putting down the signs. Yeah. Yeah. He's been impressive. Exactly what they need. I'm really, uh, 
uh, a very savvy move by the A's. They got a real deal on him. You got to wonder if maybe they think about trying to extend him. But if I'm Lucroy and I put, I'm putting up a good year, he's got to probably want to go to an organization where he can get a nice multi-year deal. He's at he's at that age. Didn't work out for him obviously this Didn't last season. Didn't work out season. for him this past. Yeah. But uh, if he puts together, you know, he was coming off a down year. If he puts together a good year, you got to think he's going to go out and and look for a, a big long deal. You know, probably the last one of his career. Right. Yeah. Well, John, I think um, this is probably it for this edition of Shea Plus. We've we've spent a lot of time talking, so we haven't gotten to any of the national stuff. We will pester you for information about national baseball next time. And until then, have a great week. Well, you too. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, John. This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is The Third by Anatech, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. The show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more A's coverage, you can follow me on Twitter at Susan Slusser. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com. <laughs>